From Georgia Public Broadcasting, this is Battleground Ballot Box. I'm Stephen Fowler. For the last two decades, Republicans have dominated statewide politics in Georgia, but that could soon change. Democrats flipped the state's electoral college votes in 2020 for the first time since the early 90s. In a stunning dual runoff, Georgia elected two Democratic senators in January 2021, gaining control of the chamber and cementing the party's narrow mandate in Washington. Many Republicans did not take it well. For more than a year after the election, there have been concerted efforts to overturn the election results, attack the voting systems put in place by Republicans, by the way, and embrace extreme rhetoric. It's a rightward shift toward Trumpism that has foreshadowed a new Southern strategy that could alter the country's political landscape for years to come. But not everyone in the party of Lincoln and Reagan feels this way. There are some who have rebuked former President Donald Trump's divisiveness. And the 2022 election will solidify who is in the party's driver's seat. How did we get from this? Biggest endorsement yet in Georgia's governor race. And today, President Trump backed Brian Kemp in the GOP runoff. To this. Of course, having her, I think, might be better than having your existing governor, if you want to know that. Might, might very well be better. In a few short years. This week, we look at the fight for the future of the Georgia GOP. Even as the Secretary of State reiterated today no evidence of widespread voter fraud, Georgia's two Republican U.S. Senators are calling for him to resign. Tonight, Senators Kelly Leffler and David Perdue are calling for the resignation of Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger. Senators David Perdue and Kelly Leffler issued a joint statement Monday criticizing Raffensperger's handling of the election and calling for his resignation. It didn't take long after Joe Biden was projected to win both Georgia and the presidency for things to go off the rails. It was less than a week after Election Day. David Perdue and Kelly Leffler, headed to January runoffs that would decide control of the U.S. Senate, sent a strongly worded letter to Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger demanding he step down because he, quote, failed to deliver honest and transparent elections. Here's the evidence they cited to back that request which Raffensperger resoundingly rejected. Around the same time, at one of the numerous press conferences debunking conspiracy theories, Gabriel Sterling with the Secretary of State's office explained how the election system worked as intended. He defended the state's results from fellow Republicans and anyone else who questioned them. Our job is to get it right for the voters and the people of Georgia and for the people of the United States to make sure the outcomes of this election are correct and trustworthy and at the end of the day, no matter which side of the aisle you're on, no matter which candidate you supported, you can have trust and, and believe in the outcome of these things. Listen, listen. If only it were that simple. The direction of the Republican Party has been a closely watched development since Trump took office in 2016, and the 2018 election in Georgia seemed to cement Trump's role atop the party. Then Secretary of State Brian Kemp was seen as an underdog in a crowded GOP primary for governor and received a key endorsement in the summer at a time when Trump's word could move people to the polls. President Trump announced his support for Brian Kemp. The president made it official on Twitter yesterday saying Kemp has his strong endorsement. Trump's support helped Kemp win the nomination and Kemp's platforms and policy proposals helped him become the first lifelong Republican governor since Reconstruction in Georgia. 
But after the 2020 election, Kemp bucked Trump and other Republicans' conspiracies about Georgia's election and certified the results, even as the Georgia GOP met and selected a so-called alternate slate of electors for the Electoral College. That put a target on his back. We'll get back to the governor's fortunes in a bit, but it's important to note another major development, that the 2020 election results kicked off a frenzy among the conservative grassroots that came into politics because of Trump's populist message, brash style, and America First policies. In the days and weeks following Trump's defeats, previously faceless lawmakers became fringe media darlings for pushing false claims about the election and holding kangaroo court hearings to find ways to toss out votes. Countless sitting lawmakers joined a long-shot suit filed in the U.S. Supreme Court that Georgia's GOP attorney general called constitutionally, legally, and factually wrong. And still, the base wanted more. Now, typically, party conventions are a mix of rallying around the party and really boring Roberts Rules of Orders parliamentary type stuff. But this year, Republicans saw record participation at every level, from the precincts to the packed statewide convention on Jekyll Island. In isolated pockets across the states, conservatives voted to censure sitting GOP officials like Lieutenant Governor Jeff Duncan, Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, and in some cases Brian Kemp because of their failure to overturn the election results. The 11th District GOP convention in Cartersville saw Congressman Barry Loudermilk tamp down on talk of Republican disunity, even as delegates voted a short time later to pledge to ask Republican House Speaker David Ralston to, quote, repent or resign, vow to boycott top employers like Coca-Cola and Delta Airlines, and they also rebuked Jeff Duncan and Raffensperger for refusing to push false claims of fraud with the 2020 election. We're not divided. We're Correcting ourselves going forward a little bit, but I've never seen us more united than we ever have been before. On the coast, the 1st District GOP had its convention canceled after the venue cited concerns over possible disruptions and protests, according to the Savannah Morning News. This after Chatham County initially failed to elect officers after a group of self-identified patriots clashed with party leaders over the nomination process and planned to crash the district convention. In Alpharetta, at the 6th district meeting, party chairman David Schaefer suggested without evidence that a surge in absentee ballots contributed to a fraudulent victory for President Joe Biden. Across the state, Republicans received a glossy 16-page after-action report from the GOP's losses in November and January that touted a surge in social media engagement and touted lawsuits filed to overturn the election, but did little to look inward at where they came short. Back at the 11th District Convention, the biggest applause of the day wasn't for Representative Loudermilk or U.S. Senate candidate Kelvin King or Tea Party Patriots co-founder Jenny Beth Martin, but rather for Vernon Jones, a controversial lifelong conservative Democrat-turned-Trump supporter mounting a primary challenge to Governor Brian Kemp. Jones railed against likely Democratic gubernatorial nominee Stacey Abrams, called the Black Lives Matter movement bull and made disparaging comments about transgender individuals before launching into a series of false claims about Georgia's voting machines and elections. Now, Jones does a pretty good job of capturing where a large vocal section of the pro-Trump Republican base is heading into 2022. 
He clashed with fellow Democrats before switching his allegiance to be a pro-Trump Republican primary challenger, and his support for the former president paired with attacks on Brian Kemp seems to be more than enough to excite a crowd and set up a nasty primary against Kemp, even if Trump doesn't end up endorsing anyone this go-round. Over the summer, I shadowed Jones as he held a boat parade on Lake Lanier with country music star Travis Tritt. As a speaker, Vernon Jones hits on social issues popular with base primary voters, knows how to own the libs, and has taken a bombastic campaign approach reminiscent of the former president, or in the words of former NYPD Police Commissioner Bernie Carrick, I'd say this, Vernon Jones is a black Donald Trump, right? As a black conservative, Jones is also trying to highlight the reality that the GOP has to adapt to survive. I hate to say it, but you're just fresh out of white conservatives. You don't have any more, you're fresh out. Like say in a grocery store, we just don't have any more. You're fresh out. Jones also got a warm reception at the state convention. It was a breezy affair on Jekyll Island this summer, where Governor Brian Kemp received some kind of booze from some, but support from others. The party gave awards to lawmakers who hyped false claims of fraud and tried to overturn the election. They passed resolutions that censured Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, called for draconian voting restrictions, and demanded Georgia's Republican pick system be scrapped in favor of hand-marked paper ballots, something that GOP lawmakers ridiculed Democrats for supporting just two years ago. There was also plenty of campaigning to be had, like this slick ad from Secretary of State candidate David Bell Isle. Stacey, print your ballots and play the victim's part. Cause voting's loose in Georgia and Brad Raffin deals with cars. And if you win, you'll get this shiny Senate made of gold. But if you lose, Republicans keep control. Now, let's get back to Kemp. Like we said earlier, he's the first lifelong Republican governor since Reconstruction. He's pushed popular conservative policies like tax cuts, teacher pay raises, keeping businesses open during the early days of the coronavirus pandemic, and welcoming large business developments across the state. But I've also upheld my commitment to fight for rural Georgia, to strengthen rural Georgia. We have created a promise of the rural strike team. We have been laser focused on rural broadband. And yet, he's faced attacks from both the left and the right. At a campaign kickoff in Perry, Kemp and his allies took on a more aggressive tone to remind Republicans that he is, in fact, one of their own. Leading up to the event, he waded into the fray over so-called critical race theory, banned vaccine passports, and took a trip to the U.S.-Mexico border while attacking the, quote, woke mob and cancel culture after multiple groups sued over Georgia's sweeping new voting law that he signed in the spring. I will make this commitment to you. I will not waver in that fight. I don't care if it's the Justice Department, Major League Baseball, or anyone else. Every single Republican voted for that bill. And we're going to continue to defend it because the truth is on our side. But the truth is, policies may not be enough to convince some Republican voters to support him in November's general election when he more than likely wins the nomination next spring. 
And with Trump obsessed with Georgia and dethroning so-called Republicans in name only who defied him, the level of drop-off could contribute to Democrats winning statewide again. Further complicating things is the race to run against Raphael Warnock for U.S. Senate. In a different time, Georgia Agriculture Commissioner Gary Black would be a comfortable frontrunner, touting endorsements from nearly half the state's sheriffs, dozens of state lawmakers, and boasting of a bipartisan background working with and against the federal government. But Trump and his hand-picked candidate Herschel Walker have other plans. I've been a lot of places, but in Wrightsville, I learned important lessons. If you want it bad enough, you work for it, the winner you can get of the it. 1982 Heisman Memorial Trophy, Herschel Walker. You might stumble, make mistakes, but you only fail if you give up. The politicians pick American against American, rich versus poor, black versus white, urban versus rural. I don't believe in that garbage. It's a lie. The former Heisman winner and UGA football star, longtime Texas resident and political novice, has shaken up the race that could once again decide control of the U.S. Senate. Walker has a rocky past with mental health struggles, accusations of violence, and questionable business dealings, making him a risky candidate. But never underestimate the power of a damn good dog, right? What's also made it better, or harder, is that Walker's largely avoided meaningful campaign interactions, mostly doing interviews on Fox News or prearranged stops with local TV, and avoiding most questions about substantive policies. So what does Herschel Walker stand for? Well, I think the biggest issue is right, right now is law and order. I think law and order that stem from, you know, right now, uh, you know, we, we glorify the criminals and we made our our law enforcement demons, like they're bad, and, and we need to get law and order back. And why is he more qualified to be the Republican nominee? You know, one of the things I've been doing is listening sessions around the state, and I've learned a lot of insight by sitting down listening to the people, listening to what hurt them, listening to what's going on with them, and then I'm going to put all of this together and come up with great answers to how I can help the, the state of Georgia and then how I can help the United States of America. Early fundraising numbers, along with Trump's backing, suggest Herschel could be cruising to a primary victory. Then there's candidates like Mike Collins. Son of a former congressman, the Butts County Republican launched his campaign for the 10th Congressional District earlier this fall and could represent sort of a happy medium for Republicans who want to court Trump but not go off the deep end. Collins channels the brash style of Marjorie Taylor Greene and Trump, but has actual plans for governing that make him a bit more palatable. The trucking executive is running full speed ahead in a lane that combines conservative policies wrapped in unabashed pro-Trump energy. His campaign kickoff in Jackson featured a monologue on lowering the cost of health care, establishing term limits for lawmakers, and reworking immigration. But his ads feature guns, explosions, and confrontational language. The time for civility, the time for compromise, that's over with. The time for bipartisanship, done. It's over with. There is no compromising. It's a crowded field in a district that we don't know the new boundaries of because of redistricting. But Collins is the fundraising leader, and he said the party has two paths it can choose moving forward. We can take the path of Mitt Romney and Liz Cheney and crying Adam Kinzinger. 
Or you know what? We could take the path of the Jim Jordans, the Matt Gates, the Marjorie Taylor Greens, and the Donald Trumps, true conservative fighters. That's the party I want to be a part of. So where does the GOP go from here? Is there enough leeway to pivot back to a small government issues-oriented party that helped Georgia become the number one state to do business? Or is Trump's singular obsession with his defeat going to accelerate the party's fall from power and further fan the partisan flames? Does a national environment that's looking difficult for Democrats provide cover for Georgia Republicans' dysfunction, or will the party have to go back to the drawing board to find a new winning coalition? Just this week, Newt Gingrich, the former House Speaker and suburban Republican, wrote an online post saying former Senator David Perdue would be a, quote, unifier for the party. Never mind the fact that primarying Brian Kemp could lead to a scorched-earth battle that could practically be considered an in-kind donation to Democrats. Regardless, 2022 should have more answers. Next week, the podcast is off for the Thanksgiving holiday. And when we come back, we'll take a look at some people and places that are shaping Georgia's future. Battleground Ballot Box is a production of Georgia Public Broadcasting. Our producer is Jess Mador. Our editor is Wayne Drash. Our engineer is Jesse Neiswanger, who also wrote our theme music. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you get podcasts. Thanks for listening. Georgia's DBHDD is urging people to ask a pharmacist about getting naloxone for their first aid kits at home or work. No prescription is needed. Naloxone can rapidly reverse an opioid overdose and restore breathing. Opioidresponse.info.